Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome back to Mads World. I'm your host Mads and I hope you've been enjoying season 10 so far. Thanks for your patience over the holidays. Your girl needed a little break after attempting to settle back into Aussie life over the last few months. I didn't really realize how exhausted I was and I've been feeling a bit like I have to go a million miles an hour or I'm going to freak out and realize I've moved home. But I have moved home and I'm all settled in and I'm absolutely loving it. So I hope you're buzzing for the rest of season 10 because I've been working super hard with some really incredible guests. So please stay tuned. If you're new here and you've been enjoying the show, please remember to subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening from as it's the simplest way to help out the show. Or just find me on social media and tell all your friends about it. This week, I'm joined by big tech reporter at the Bureau of Investigative Journalism, what a mouthful, or TBIJ, Neve McIntyre. In her work with TBIJ, Neve investigates powerful tech companies and has published stories on TikTok's overworked and traumatized content moderators, organized crime gangs running crypto scams, and Amazon's sprawling surveillance systems. Before joining TBIJ, Neve was a data journalist at The Guardian for four years. Her most recent article for Wired explores the dating app content moderators who are struggling to keep platforms safe for users due to the challenges faced on dating apps such as Bumble, Grindr and Hinge. The piece sheds light on the psychological toll of their work with moderators exposed to explicit and harmful content including instances of harassment, violence and other illegal activity. The job involves making rapid decisions on flagged content often leading to emotional distress and trauma for the moderators. In this episode, we discuss her investigation, including the working conditions of moderators in the online dating industry, the challenges they face, how handling sensitive content is approached, mental health, improving working conditions for moderators, and future developments on the horizon. Trigger warning for this episode, we do talk about online harassment and abuse. Hello, Nee. Hi, Maddie. How's it going? Yeah, really good. Thank you. It's so nice to have um, someone from England on the pod. Although, are you Irish or English? Uh, my, I, I was born here. Yeah, but my my um my family is Irish. Hence the hence the funky name. I was going to say, Neve. I've got an Irish friend called Neve, So yeah, I was wondering. Um, but it's the first podcast recording that I've actually done since moving back to Melbourne, <laughs> which is huge. Um, so let's get stuck into our speed date question round and everyone listening can learn a bit more about you. What is your favourite pop culture moment of all time? Um, I really love like really trashy reality TV. So I was excited about this question. Um, recently... I've got super into um, Vanderpump Rules, on, which is like a Bravo show set in the US about like really chaotic, messy, hot people who work in a restaurant in LA. Um, and obviously last, like this year, it had this like massive, massive, massive cheating scandal that like um, propelled the show to new heights of, of drama. So yeah, I think that's that's my current my current pop culture uh, fixation. I love that. I feel like my friends are really into Vanderpump Rules and I am a big reality girl, but I never, I've never really gotten into it. But do you know what? I did get into when Disney launched the Kardashians, like the relaunch, even though it's all about their careers and it's less like drama. I feel like that reignited my love for the reality vibes this year. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a new series in January, so maybe that could be your your time, your entry point. <laughs> 
My entry point. Yeah, I love that. Um, my next question is, can you tell me about a failure or a moment in your life that taught you something really valuable? Um, I think um, it's maybe not a failure as such, but just something that was pretty uh, difficult was I've kind of for the last two or three years been dealing with um, some annoying chronic pain that like can't really be the source of it hasn't really been able to be identified or or treated really so I think it's just taught me to be um, quite patient and like resilient and it was really yeah it, it made me you know have to change a lot of things about like I was I've always been quite like a sporty, active person, had to kind of rethink how I did that. But I learned some really good kind of coping strategies for those difficult kind of moments. So I think, you know, now that, and now I'm kind of managing it all a lot better. So I think I did learn some like valuable things, even though it kind of, kind of sucked and it kind of sucks. And there's nothing, nothing quite like chronic pain until you've experienced something like that. Like not to compare my experience at all to yours, but I really hurt my back this year. And I think when you're growing up, I feel like your parents are always like, oh, my back, all this and that. And you don't really realize how tough it is and how frustrating it is until you go through something like that. And my dad's recently had his his knee replaced. And, you know, I felt bad complaining about anything. I've also got celiac disease, so which doesn't sound annoying, but it is actually pretty annoying sometimes. But I was like to him, I, I hate complaining to you because you've had your knee replaced. And he was like, Mads, there's nothing like a lifelong illness or chronic pain. Like he's like, I chose to have my knee replacement mm. he's like if you've got a chronic illness like you have to be pretty resilient and pretty tough mm. so power to you not that you know not that our experiences are comparable but you know what I mean it's just um yeah I guess it, you have to have a certain level of tolerance and, and resilience so it's really admirable that you have that yeah definitely and and a lot of patience I think I think I know I think yeah I've um like I've got back into yeah cycling by by increasing the distance that I was cycling like super super slowly so which is yeah and it's not I would say not usually in my nature to be very patient so I think I've I've learned to be a bit more patient about things so that's that's a positive as well patience is a great quality I I think that's something I've learned through I think it's just something you learn as you get older as well being patient with people because you learn that everyone like moves at a different pace and even like I always see this on memes and stuff people are like I hate slow walkers or on hinge people like I hate slow walkers I'm like just go around like get over it like sometimes I like to have a stroll I like to mosey like just let me walk at the pace that I want to walk at like why do you have to be so rude about it do you know what I mean like get yeah. over it god that's so true yeah I haven't been on that app in, in a while but that was that is such a such a trope oh, mate. one of the you know <laughs> The classic five isn't things people say on a dating <laughs> app, isn't it? Yeah. So unimaginative, guys. Right. And I've just moved back to Melbourne. So I'm trying to test out the waters here on the dating apps. And I'm starting a new TikTok series where TikTok has to help me find my new boyfriend because I decided I'm 30. I kind of want a boyfriend. I haven't had one in a few years and I'm sick of not having a crush. So I feel like my life's kind of boring at the moment. All I do is work. So <laughs> need something a little bit exciting to get me going. <laughs> um, oh, that's, yeah, that sounds fun. I'm, um, well, I look forward to following your your journey (laughs) thank you my next question is if you could have a heart to heart with your younger self what would you say it would be something around kind of be be a bit braver and take more risks I think I'm quite a risk averse person I don't really like to get out my comfort zone too often I'm quite scared of so this is something that I'm still trying to work on but I think it would be like don't be afraid to sort of try things and fail uh because I think I definitely was when I was younger and sort of yeah it's something I'm I'm still working on and I think um you know when you're young is that is the time where you can take risks and try things and fail and I think sometimes I was I was yeah a little too scared to do that when I was younger yeah I've got two thoughts on that and the first one was that I'm in a position at the moment where I'm 30 and I've just moved home and 
I, I think I was saying to you before we started recording that I'm hoping to like try and do creative stuff or do the podcast full time. And it's not often that when you're in your 30s that you get to sit back and look at those crossroads and think, what do I actually want to do? Because I'm not at like I'm living with my parents at the moment until I figure out um, my life pretty much. But I'm like, I'm not paying rent. There's no massive pressure. I'm sort of like, oh, this is such an opportunity for me to really think about like what I want to do and it's really really exciting so I totally feel you on that it's like you've got to capitalize on on the times when you can take risks and still have a net to fall back into yeah sounds like it's definitely a a time (laughs) to take some risks and yeah I hope it hope it all works out um I know but yeah it must be it must be a big big transition at the moment Yeah. yeah it's a huge transition at the moment and the other thing I was going to say was um Things like um, like what you were saying about you're still working on it. I feel like there's certain things in our life that everyone's sort of like, oh, you can only be with someone else until you, you know, you really know yourself or you really trust yourself or, you know, you're in love with yourself. But I feel like that is a life's work in itself. And you're never going to get to a point where you're happy with the amount of risks you take or I'm happy with, you know, how like I have this complex about feeling like I'm a selfish person or whatever, but I feel like that will just stick with me. And it's like, you sort of just have to get on with things sometimes like, and they are just going to become a life's work. But I suppose if it's something that you're conscious of, you can just work at that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's true. I think, um, I think, yeah, being, being self-aware is one step at least even if you don't really take any action to (laughs) to change things yeah a hundred percent um my next question is tell me about a book or movie that has impacted your life so this is a new question that I'm going to ask everyone on the podcast because I am such a culture vulture I literally love I read so many books I like did my goodreads like wrapped this year so it was like spotify wrapped but it was your books and now I'm like oh my god how many how many books did you read so I actually read like 5,018 pages I don't know if you thought I was going to say books there but it wasn't 5,000 books it was 5,000 yeah, pages was like, but <laughs> yeah it was like um I think it was 18 18 books which is more than one a month so I'm like that and I read a little life which is fucking long so you know I did all right that's good going yeah I both I have such a love-hate relationship I have such a love-hate relationship with Goodreads it um because yeah. I think I also use it but I think it really incentivizes you to just read like a certain kind of like quite short readable books then you can just tick it or another one off for the list and it kind of like yeah. I read a book I, a book I read recently was like an 800 page kind of non-fiction history book and it took me like a fucking long time to read and then you know for good reads you're like oh, damn I'm really not keeping up with my tally um but I do overall quite like it I think it makes you read I, I do think it's good at making you read more a hundred percent. And I always like, what I find really motivating as well is that you can add in the page number that you're up to and it tells you the, the percent that you're through. So once you get past halfway, you're like, right, it's the home stretch. I'm just going to get through and finish this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I do love to gamify anything. So yeah. Um, but anyway, to go back to your question. Um, yes. The book that came to mind was um the shock doctrine by naomi klein um and it's a book that i read when i was fairly young maybe i was like 18 or 19 or something um and it's about the history of capitalism and how it thrives on sort of disasters and uses those disasters to kind of embed itself um so she looks at like hurricane katrina she looks at like all the way back to kind of Pinochet and Chile, like loads of different countries and examples. And I think it's it's been, I'm sure, um, you know, maybe if I revisited it being slightly older, you would see that there's some slight, you know, kind of oversimplification because it is so broad, it like covers so many different times and places and tries to apply this one theory to it. And yeah, maybe reading it again, there would be some, you know, some critiques I might have of it, but I think it really, I think it really sort of, yeah, shaped um, my kind of early formative kind of political understanding. And and I think it was just a really, it seemed like a really inspiring work of, inspiring work of journalism. And she's, yeah, she's, the author Naomi Klein is a real hero of mine. So that's, yeah, 
the one that came to mind. That's awesome. You know what? I love when you remember a book that really shaped like a certain aspect of your personality or like it defined your love of reading. And I think sometimes when you get into a slump with Mm. reading, it's hard to get out of that. I find that whenever I'm reading a hardcover book, because I just can't be asked opening it because it's so big. But like (laughs) recently I was reading, um, I was reading a book called Monsters by Claire Dederer. And it's sort of similar to what you were saying in regards to capitalism, because I find learning about capitalism really fascinating. But there's so many different um opposing opinions that you sort of don't really know where to start sometimes and you don't know what to believe I guess that's like a lot of things with the internet especially at the moment um but the this book Monsters by Claire Dederer was fascinating it was all about cancel culture and um like if you can love the art and not the artist and it's there's this one part about um Mm. she calls them culture makers and they're like essentially marketing teams and the people that decide what is going to be what is going to be cool like kind of like tastemakers I guess and um yeah it's all about like Mm. commodifying a person or an artist so I guess in the way that Taylor Swift has made herself into her own brand sort of thing and capitalizing on that obsession and like the concept of of obsession and using the, the pillars of true obsession which is actually really unhealthy and marketing products to people and yeah I just find it all so fascinating because people will be like oh my god I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift I'm obsessed with Beyonce like whoever it is and the way that they use that to sell things is so interesting to me because it's like oh my god like I am a part of and I work in advertising as well so maybe that's why I found it really fascinating but yeah I just love when you're like I just want to talk about this book all the time (laughs) Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah, definitely. I think that's a marker of how much you enjoy it. If you're just boring all your friends with it in the in the pub and yeah, I'm yes. sure like that with some some books. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. Um and my final question for this round is what is your funniest date story? So this is something I ask on every episode and it is my favorite question and it leads very nicely into our discussion all about your investigation into dating app moderation. So, what is your funniest date story? I had to dig deep for this one because I think most of the t- most of the like bad dates I've been on were just a bit, you know, boring or awkward or inconsequential. But um, yeah, I did remember <laughs> one that I went on when I was a lot, I was a lot younger and more uh, chaotic. Um, and it was, <laughs> it was a bit Love of a disaster that. because I had been at this um, really fun day festival in Sheffield called Tramlines, um, and. The guy, there was this guy who I vaguely knew who'd seen that I was going to be in tram lines was like, oh, do you want to go for a drink while you're here? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. But I sort of didn't really plan adequately for the fact that I was, um, I was at a festival drinking all day and then went on a date completely trashed. Oh, no. And he turns out <laughs> had driven to the pub and wasn't, he wasn't drinking. So it was just a oh, real, God. it was a real mismatch of energies. And then I subsequently, but it wasn't so disastrous that he never wanted to see me again because we did then go on two or three more dates. But on the second date, I kept trying to like wheel out, you know, my like funny stories and my go-to date anecdotes. And he was like, yeah, I know you told me that last time. And I was like, fuck, so embarrassing. Oh, and then no. our next date was also <laughs> So you've had to weird. pretty much repeat your whole first date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, for me anyway, he, yeah, he went on the same date twice, I guess, oh, no. <laughs> again. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, on a subsequent date then also got a bit weird where we'd his dad had like a membership to a fancy private members club and then um the next morning he was like oh yes sorry you um I'm gonna go to breakfast but you can't come because you're wearing trainers see you later and I was like wow harsh. <gasps> oh my god are you serious that's so rude <laughs> yeah I know right yeah so yeah oh we, my we, days. We, didn't, we didn't last long <laughs> no I mean good riddance see you later that's the thing you don't want to go out with someone who gives you the ick when they do things like that one time a guy tried to take me to Soho house on a date and I was like shut the fuck up I'm not doing that ew <laughs> I know they're always really <laughs> underwhelming private members clubs honestly we used to go a lot for work in London just because people have a membership because they can expense it or whatever and when you're there you're like yeah. everyone here thinks they're famous and they all suck <laughs> 
So you got in touch with me because you've written a really fascinating article for Wired through your work with the Bureau of Journal, uh, the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. That is quite a tongue twist- twister. It so is, yeah. I would love it if you could just give us a brief overview of the article and um, just the key issues that it addresses regarding the working conditions of moderators in the online dating industry. Because this is something I had never actually really thought about. I just assumed that it was all done by AI because I assume everything is done by AI these days. But yeah, do you want to just give uh, um, my listeners just a bit of an overview and then we can chat about some of the themes that came out of the article? One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, just to pick up on something you said about assuming it was done by AI, I think that's what a lot of people would assume. And I think over the past kind of year or so, um, I've been trying, I've been reporting on um, kind of stories which are basically looking at the people behind uh, things that, you know, people would think are done by AI, but they're actually often done by underpaid overworked people in other countries um so I think that's yeah kind of an interesting starting point um but the piece um basically looks at how content moderation and um safety procedures work um in the online dating space so we wanted to try and take kind of a broad view so we did we looked at um Grindr obviously the most popular LGBT one Bumble um, and Hinge, uh, which is owned by Match Group, which they're like the biggest company in the online dating space. They own Tinder as well. They own loads and loads of other brands. Um, so we thought by, yeah, trying to look at three different companies, we kind of had a an industry-wide view. And um, so we set about basically just trying to speak to as many uh, dating app workers and particularly content moderators as possible. So we ended up speaking to around 45. Um, and they were mostly content moderators, but we had some, we had some kind of executive types as well to kind of have a different sort of more corporate view. And what emerged really was, um, that workers kind of reported, they had a lot of, um, kind of traumatic experiences at work because they um what they're doing is basically either looking at 
kind of automated flag. So if somebody uses like a slur in their profile or, you know, a reference to drugs or something, they'll look at that. They might similarly, if you, if you type a message that has one of those flags, they'll go in and look at that. But also they might be looking at kind of images and videos uh, that people have posted that might contain some really like horrifying stuff. And then also if you you know, have a really bad experience on a day and you file a report about somebody who, yeah, you know, assaulted you, that those are the kind of things they might have to look at as well. Um, And people said that the sort of impact of the child abuse material, the sexual assault stuff, other kinds of violence, it was like just really, obviously Mm. you can imagine if you're looking at that on a regular basis, it really can get to you. So that was kind of the first key finding, just people are really dealing with a a lot. Um, The second key finding was kind of around some of the targets that people had and um, their, the time they have to sort of review a piece of material. So um, it could be that you're, you have a set target of, you know, 120 reports an hour and it doesn't leave you very long to kind of get through that report um and the I guess then the the sort of related third point was um around sort of understaffing and um delays in kind of responding to dating app users um so that came up Across, yeah, a couple of the apps and could obviously have an impact if, um, you know, you've reported somebody, but there's a queue of thousands of tickets and it takes somebody, you know, a couple of weeks to, to get to it or something. That was a scenario that one person did um, outline. Obviously, sorry, I'm going to have to throughout give the company responses just briefly. And, the co- you know, the companies did, when we put all of this to them, they did say, we do we are sufficiently resourced, we have enough people, you know, the targets are set at a reasonable level. So, yeah, just to say that that's, you know, their their view, uh, the, the, their view was uh, kind of a little bit different to the one we emerged with. It's also impacting the users like you and I. So, I guess if you've gone on a date and you need to report someone, not only are you impacted because you don't get, not that you need like, you know, proper support back from an app, but you you also need to, not that it's up to the person, but that person can go on a date with someone else. And if, they're, if their account isn't, mm. you know, blocked or if it, it, appropriate action isn't taken, then they're just going to go out with other people and then there's the potential there to do that as well, which I think is not to say that there's onus on people to report that behavior, but the onus is on the dating app companies that are having this behavior reported to them and they're not acting quick enough or in an appropriate way. Yeah, I think um, that was definitely a a point we wanted to kind of look at um, as far as, you know, these, the working conditions of the people um, doing this work was kind of, you know, the primary thing we wanted to report on, but also those working conditions, they're kind of inextricably linked to user safety issues um and we did yeah we did review one report where um somebody on hinge had had a bad experience um involving you know a offline um actually yeah an offline instance of kind of assault and reported it to hinge and for whatever reason we don't know exactly why but that that report was missed and then only when I spoke to this person and they chased it up with Hinge did the person get banned and that was nearly a year later. So, um, you know, they, that, and that was really a reason I did, I did really want to do this story was like, um, I think the big social media companies like TikTok and Facebook or whatever, they've gotten, they've gotten a lot of um, kind of, criticism for their content moderation and their workers um and how they treat their workers but um with dating apps it hadn't there was one other really big kind of landmark piece but it I think like there's a lot of you know 
dangerous stuff that can happen on dating apps and I think it was important to try and you know examine what what processes are there in place if if things go wrong yeah it's really interesting to to hear about what led you to investigate those working conditions and I'd love if you could describe what a typical day looks like for content moderators who work for dating apps because you interviewed some really interesting people in the articles about their experiences and it I found it really heartbreaking to read the struggles that they went through because they're not properly trained in traumatic in this sort of traumatic content and it's just completely unfair but if you could chat us through what the typical working conditions look like and what a day looks like for them that would be amazing yeah sure so as I mentioned there's kind of a few different kinds of um content that they'll be reviewing and just so in general the kind of structure of the teams is like um they'll there are sort of outsourced um, content moderators, so they don't work directly for the dating apps. They might they work for a um, a company, a separate company. Um, they deal with the kind of entry level staff. They're they're the ones who are kind of typically in other countries. So in the piece we looked at, it was like Honduras, India, and Guatemala were big locations. Um, and they'll they'll might be they might be kind of looking looking at people's profiles um they might be looking at messages they might be looking at reports that have come in from users themselves who've reported other users for various things um and then there'll be if they come across something that's a bit more complicated or a bit more serious so you know stuff around potentially illegal activity anything around child child abuse or minors Mm -hmm. they will then refer that up to the staff team who actually work directly for the dating apps and they're more likely to be um, in the US or the UK. Um, And um, so it's a mixture as well of like some people, some people work at home remotely. um, Some people will work in an office. um, Some people worked kind of, they, they were on essentially like zero hours contracts, like for Bumble people would kind of pick their own hours but they had to and they were paid like a few cents per kind of report that they went through um or other people are you know paid a normal salary so there's lots of different ways of what somebody's day could could look like um but yeah the sort of the I guess the the key commonalities were yeah were there among all those kind of uh the different apps and the different location because people were doing this kind of all over the world as well yeah and I find that really fascinating as well because um it's interesting it would be interesting to know like any industry-wide or international trends that came through for the work conditions and experiences of those content moderators because I think as well it'd be good to know like some of the specific challenges they face because as someone who has used the dating app and as a woman especially um you know I can't speak for the LGBT community and you know apps like Grinder, but the amount of just like disgusting behavior on there from men that is completely they're completely unaccountable for and you just end up having to block them and deal with them yourself it's like you can only imagine that's the tip of the iceberg you know like that's I probably experienced the very like least level of that but then thinking of you know how dark things can go in any situation and especially on the internet where people feel this sense of anonymity that they can do what they want and say what they want without any consequences it'd be good to know yeah what um what sort of specific challenges were pe- were they facing like what sort of things were they coming up against I know you mentioned yeah I'll let, I'd love for you to explain I'm just making a lot of assumptions but sure um well I think as you can imagine a lot of nudes a lot of dick pics um which dating apps have various different rules over and like you know if it's if it's non-consensual then they'll take action and if it's consensual I think some of them are a bit you know some of them are stricter than others and that kind of thing so I think that's kind of a baseline there's like a lot of a lot of that um as you would imagine and then um then I think a lot of the lower level stuff might be people just over message being being rude or um unpleasant or 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 nasty and so somebody reports them then it starts getting more serious um things that people said they saw commonly was kind of like harassment or people if you've had a kind of like 
exchange of uh, messages with someone and then it doesn't go well, somebody might try and report your profile maliciously, that kind of thing. Um, then I think the more serious stuff that people dealt with was racism and other kinds of bigotry, homophobia. Um, I think, oh yeah, all of those kinds of bigotry, racism, homophobia, trans transphobia. I think a lot of trans people have a lot of issues on dating apps. Um, then people kind of using the apps to like stalk, like stalk people, harass people. Um, with Grinder, there was a couple of. Uh, Grinder has some really specific challenges around people because you know obviously a lot of people using Grinder aren't aren't out uh, publicly. Yes. Um, oh wow. So yeah. it can be really sensitive data that. So sometimes yeah. the app is used to kind of blackmail people um, or to to find gay people to harass basically. Tell me more about that because that is that is. I just didn't even, I wouldn't even know that I guess like I'm obviously not a gay man, but I think is that, is that something that is common to like people go on there to try and find people to blackmail and to out them? That is so fucked up. Yeah, it has been used in that way. And also um, reports of the, yeah, there's, there's quite a few, even, even in um, like Human Rights Watch actually did some really important research on also like police uh using grinder in in countries where homosexuality is either illegal or kind of a legal gray area to like find people so yeah oh my God. there's a lot of grinder has a lot of challenges specific to sort of being being the biggest global lgbt app so yeah there was all of that and that was something that yeah people did people did set particularly um the moderators we spoke to um, there was kind of a, a specific thing that came up for some of them who were um, LGBT themselves because Grinder had made a you know a well-meaning effort to kind of recruit people who were from the LGBT community in Honduras where their outsourcing um, company was. But then some of those people said, you know, like when we have to see the things that people do to queer people it, it hits you know it hits harder yeah because it makes you think like it makes you aware of being vulnerable and how that could have happened to them so yeah that was an interesting thing that we didn't I don't think we ended up putting in the piece but it came up with some of the queer members of that that team um and then I think yeah then I think the most just to finish off the question I think then the most hardcore and upsetting stuff was um child abuse and like I really mm. didn't realize before starting the reporting process but mm. dating apps are um yeah there's a lot of child abuse material on there or people using them to try and talk to young people um Gosh. try and groom young people so that obviously yeah. that's probably the most upsetting thing you could see as a definitely as a dating app moderator um and then also yeah the people who the uh, the, the sort of staff safety specialists um the ones who they'll deal with the more senior um sorry the more complicated cases they they will have to deal with a lot of kind of reports of people talking about uh, sexual assault um God. and that that i think was the other thing that people said was like really really yeah upsetting to to deal with so it's it's all a lot and, and i think the thing is i think interestingly some people said as well like obviously there's the the most horrible category that I, with the child abuse and sexual yeah. assault but a lot of people said actually also just the low level stuff was quite upsetting as well just like the mm-hmm. constant stream of people being people being like bigoted or being nasty or you know just like it all kind of built built up was what people said as well the frustration you must feel to be seeing that and to be experiencing it and having no real ability to prosecute someone or arrest them like police are trained so thoroughly in dealing with these things because there is such a thing as secondary trauma and like taking on board those traumatic experiences they have to be so delicate with it but these people are being paid what like two cents per resolution or something like they're not they're not being trained psychologically in how to deal with all of these things and I think the if you look at the comparison of the onslaught of stuff that they're dealing with, like even police, like, you know, if they have 
10 cases a week. And especially when you first start in the police, I've been told there's a lot of um, like domestic cases and, and things like that. There's nowhere near dealing with 120 different real life cases in front of you in one day of work, you know, and, and the amount of training they receive in order to like receive that information in a way and process it somewhere externally. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say? It's just, it's so sad. Like the, the amount of mental health issues that these moderators must experience as a knock on effect of that work is just devastating. Yeah. Um, so another thing we obviously wanted to look at was kind of around what kind of support can they access? And it varied. Um, it, it did vary. And in, I, th- I think that um, in fairness to the dating apps, it is something that they are aware of and have tried to improve over the past like couple of years. Um, because the people we spoke to who'd worked at these companies three or four, five years ago, some of them um, said, you know, there really wasn't anything in place. And now they all do have something in place. Um, it's just that there were still some issues around. Yes, they kind should. Of- <laughs> access yeah of course of course um some people you know you could see a psychiatrist through your health insurance um you could you know access like wellness um stipends that you could spend on things to kind of help with your with your mental health um and some of them had like a kind of on-site psychologist who you can make appointments with um but I think there's still some issues around like for example, Bumble uses um, freelancers, um, the ones who are just paid a you know a, a piece rate per cents per message, and because they're freelance, they can't access any of that, um, as far as we were aware. And that um, that I think is definitely a pro- you know we spoke to one freelance moderator for Bumble who did have to deal with some of those really upsetting child abuse cases, and he there was nothing available for him. So even though I, I do I do think the dating apps have worked to improve what's available, there's still some issues around, you know, making that accessible to everybody doing the work, um, whether that's freelance or outsourced or or people on staff. So um and and I guess also just I think as well as the mental health support per se there was also stuff I think just around like building more breaks into the the day that I think can be can be how you know some people said um if they did get something upsetting that they weren't always able to just you know take a moment and kind of step away so I think that could also be something that would improve um improve your ability to kind of process all of all of this As a user, I feel like I would be like, I'm trying to think of potential solutions for this. And I guess as a user, I would be comfortable with giving like scanning my ID or my passport in order to make an account if everyone else had to do that. And I'm like, it may be because I think that the reason it's part of a wider issue, right? You know, people behaving badly on the internet. It's this sense of anonymity that people have that they can say what they want, do what they want, and there's no repercussions for anything. Like I think that was another thing what I was going to say earlier when you were speaking about um, just the amount, even just like the the top level like hateful comments or just rudeness or anything like that. Sometimes when you get too deep in on social media and I need to have a step back and have a break because you'll click on the comments of anything especially those massive viral pages that just have like they report on you know pop culture news or whatever or like you know horrible stuff about wars going on and all those things you go in the comments it's honestly the most grim place on earth it is honestly where hope goes to die and people are just so rude and I find it really like it's like it's not even frustrating it's just like disappointment that I'm used to which is the worst feeling ever and you're like people suck like no one has anything good to say because they think that they can just write whatever and it's completely anonymous so it's like even on even in on social media I'm like make me upload my license if that means that this person with two followers and no profile picture can't go around calling people fat yeah take my take my passport I don't care (laughs) like please sort it out but what what other solutions do you see to improve the working conditions for content moderators? But also, I guess, how can we tackle, uh, this is a golden question, how can we tackle 
the wider piece of just people, I guess it, it's such a big question, but what would you say is the, is the potential solutions here? Yeah, no, that, that, that is a big question. Um, I think just on the, yeah, on the kind of ID and verification point, um, it is something that has come up, you know, periodically when there's, you know, a high profile case of something going wrong on a dating app, it it does come up. And I think, and I think it was, it was actually discussed in Australia recently because the, the, the Australian government's actually engaging quite a lot with dating apps on safety issues at the moment. Um, I don't know exactly what the outcome of all that is, is going to be, but they're definitely, they're the government, I think, that's really trying to work out how they can tackle some of these issues. So that's, yeah, that'll be, I'm following that and seeing how that's going to play out. But with the ID thing, I think people who would support that would say, yeah, it, it would help because um, you would be able to check someone's identity and kind of um, stop people, you know, if they've been banned. A big problem, obviously, is if you ban someone, the possibility that they could just get back on the app by, you know, getting a new SIM card or, or whatever. So there's that that it might help with. That's but, the thing. It's like yeah. if you have the ID on there, they can't come back, you know, like, see you later. <laughs> yeah. But on the flip side, I think particularly around Grinder, like as I was saying, you know, the 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 that's such sensitive data, particularly if people aren't, out and I think I can see why yes. you know I could, at least in the case of Grinder, like there's a people would have a strong privacy case for really not wanting to provide their ID and that I think that does have to be taken into account as well so it's a, it is actually it's kind of in fairness to dating apps again it's it's a tricky it's a tricky question to strike that balance between privacy for users and and safety for users um and i think that's something that's still working but in terms of i think solutions as far as like dating app moderators i think there's definitely some relatively easy wins like there that could be implemented just around um just paying people better to do the work um so the pay the pay kind of ranged obviously depending on what location it was in um like the, some of the indian uh content moderators for bumble i think they were earning around um 200 to 300 us dollars a month um in honduras the starting salaries were around 700 dollars a month um i think it was similar ish in guatemala maybe slightly more in guatemala um but you know, it's like it's really important work, and I think it could be better, better remunerated. Um, and then, similarly, you know, just dropping the kind of, dropping the more, uh, kind of strict or um, unreasonable targets, uh, and setting those at a pace where people can actually have the time they need to do, um, to to get through things and give things the attention that they need. Because I think basically a lot of the outsourcing companies who are doing this work, they they kind of grew out of like call centers and they're, they're still kind of, they still have that. I don't know if you or anyone else you know has ever worked in a call center, but it's that kind of, everything is very strictly monitored. You've got really strict targets, all of that. And then when you try and apply that, model that's kind of system to some of these more complex nuanced kind of safety related issues I think that's where there can be some problems and again sorry just to give the dating apps view you know they would say their targets are set at um a reasonable pace and people you know people have the time they need but you know some of the workers that we spoke to kind of had a different view so perhaps you know letting new employees know what they're in for and properly briefing them in on the kinds of things they might experience. And then that allows them to, you know, at least have some kind of safeguard in place or, you know, like different processes that um, can support them along the way. Because I know you mentioned that they have different mental health practices in place to support them, but prop yeah, probably like proper upfront training is just so necessary in these situations. Yeah, I it definitely did uh come up a little bit. Um I would say, you know, all the apps they do provide training of of some sort. Um 
And even, you know, if you're a freelancer for Bumble, you have some kind of remote training. And I think what some people said was actually like, the policies that dating apps have in place um, are actually quite good. Like they, they do put a lot of thought into like policies and updating their policies for, you know, if like different forms of um, harassment or kind of bigotry come up. But um, particularly with Bumble, like some of the workers I spoke to there said the policies we have are good and we do get, we do get trained on the policies, but we don't have the kind of capacity to actually implement the policies um so I think it's there's sometimes a bit of a gap between you know like you might have really good feminist policies on things but if you don't have enough people and they're all really stressed out because their targets are quite high then they can't they can't really put the policies into place properly um so I think that was def as far as yeah training that was definitely one thing that that came up yeah oh well this has been so fascinating honestly it's something that um to be honest I didn't I never really thought about it because like we um like we said at the start to me it feels like AI because usually when you're messaging like a like a bot or a chat program or something on any website you talk to the robot first and then the human comes later so I think it's really really great that you've you've done this investigation and it shines a light on um so many people that are struggling and and um it's given them the opportunity to have their story heard and hopefully make a change but um I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been really informative and you've just been yeah really great thank you oh that's great yeah thank you thanks so much for for having me on it was yeah it was cool to kind of talk around some of the some of the issues and get into some of the stuff we couldn't fit in the piece so yeah it was um yeah really great to chat to you about it i hope you enjoyed my chat with the wonderful neve please let me know on my instagram tiktok twitter wherever you are if you have any stories or thoughts of your own to share also i just updated my website and it looks stunning so go and check it out see you next week peace Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.